morning. We're still missing a few folks, but we've got some more folks in here. So good, good to have y'all with us this morning. Good to see Robert and Nell. It's always good to see y'all. Uh, we still have some that's still sick. I think Brother Bobby's no, better. He's a lot better, but in the cantrails are not, they're not feeling well. I think they had COVID and we still have COVID and they're getting over it. <coughs> have a lot to pray for. And, uh, no. Captain Don have those. Captain Don have those. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we all well, need to call it. I know, we all have those. Well, you know, all the sickness stuff, it's always going to be around. The ones that say we'll be here, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. And anyone have a praise report they'd like to lift up this morning? We're going to go to prayer. I wanted to mention Elizabeth again this morning. She uh, spent several hours in the children's the other night, and they still don't know what it is, really. She's this morning I talked to me, she's still got a 103 fever, rash from one end to the other. So they're thinking it could be her seizure medicine. They're trying to get in touch with neurology today, but she's been sick a while, so y'all just remember her. Uh, Dr. Wilson is leaving Wednesday to go to Ukraine, so y'all remember him. Mm -hmm. Brother Wayne, I do want to remember the Israel family. Yes. They both have COVID, so they're pretty sick. Yeah, I think Brother Chris talked to him this morning. I think they're feeling a lot better. Yeah, today has been one of the better days. Yeah, we continue to pray for him, for sure, and so many others. But let's go to the prayer uh, right now. And uh, I'm going to call Sister Pam, if you don't mind, you pray for me. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for you. We bless you, Father. There's so many that's sick and, and uh, need our prayers this morning, Lord. We just pray for him and for him just to be with them today. Be with us in our service, Lord. Get Brother Steve the message that we need to hear. Amen. Thank you so much. If you pulled up this morning seeing the the digging out here, that was me yesterday. I come up here yesterday and I felt like digging, so I started digging. So what I was digging for, I didn't find. I was looking for a pipe. So Brother Michael was sent me in the right direction, so I'm, I missed it by... 50 feet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just out there singing a song. I'm going to dig, dig, dig. dig. I did. I got down there pretty deep. I found some stuff. I can tell you what I found. But anyhow, look to page 409. Father alone. Let's sing this one in the morning. Well, I'm going to come and bring your devotion this morning. The world now.
great song out there. You know what it is. In this life, we don't we don't see what's ahead of us. We just watch the right now, right now, right now. You know, our Father, He knows what's ahead of us. Yes, He does. He's got a path laid out for us. We don't understand right now, but we will. By and by, we will know what God has laid out for us, and we have a home in heaven waiting for us. What a wonderful blessing that is. Does anybody have anything before the robber comes and brings our ghost? Well, Brother Roger, you come and share with us, brother. Be back. It's good to be back this morning. Uh, it'd be good if I could talk, but I'll get over this one of these days, maybe. Um, you know, Brother Wayne said uh, that the Lord had laid out a path for us. And uh, uh, I thought about that as he was saying it. So kind of go along with my devotion this morning. Um, I, I usually have a thought somewhere through the week that I kind of study on and try to put something together for Sunday. And, uh, I didn't have much this week. I don't know, I don't know why, but um, I got up this morning and I was thinking that uh, what a simple plan God gave us. Um, we studied back in the back when, when I was teaching the teenage boys, which a couple of them are right back here, they're the grown men now, uh, about the Ten Commandments. We studied them book of Exodus and uh, and the Ten Commandments in that and uh, I got to thinking about the Ten Commandments there's ten rules there ten things that God laid out for us that if we would follow my goodness how, how simple life would be that how many things we wouldn't need but you know, we have those little condensed versions of the Ten Commandments thou shalt not thou shalt you know just the little things but I thought this morning I might read in the 20th chapter of Exodus if you'd like to turn with me. <clears throat> I can. We will, uh, we'll, we'll go through these Ten Commandments. And he expounds on a few of them. It gives us a little bit more detail than, than the little plaque versions that we see. Uh, some churches will have a covenant here and Ten Commandments over here. Um, kind of the, 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 the clip version of it I'll put. But um, he expounds on a few of them and, and um, gives us a little bit more detail than, than the thou shalt nots. Um, and if you, if you turn the 20th chapter of uh, the book of Exodus, <clears throat> and God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And I'm going to stop right there just a second, because after we studied the, the Exodus back there. I was 50 something, 60 years old maybe, and I learned so much with those kids you know, studying through that about the things that, that God did along the way. And the things that, uh, you know, the, the, the vast number of people that, that left Egypt with their cattle going through a, basically a desert area. And I got to thinking about how could you feed that many cattle and how could you water that many? How much water would it take just for the people? But God provided all of that. And he's reminded Moses here to remind the people that I brought you out and the things that we did yeah, that, that you, you saw and that you, you uh, witnessed on the way, that was me. Um, he said, I am the Lord of thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of bondage. Says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's number one. <clears throat> number two, thou shalt not make thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. He said, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them for I the Lord am, uh, thy God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and fourth generations of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. 
those two verses right there should mean a lot to us. That, that our actions have consequences, not only for us, but for our children. Um, and, and the things that we do, um, you know, how many times have you seen a, uh, a family go wrong? I'll put it that way. And the children follow suit. Two and three generations. I'm, Pam, I'm sure you've seen it in school. But then he also, he also said, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. How many families have you seen that where mom and dad walked up rightly for their whole life, their children followed suit, and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. Right here's a couple that I see that in, Brother Robert and Sister Mel. Wonderful families that followed the leadership of their spirit, their, their, their direction as they followed the spirit. Um, so thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And I've got some thoughts on that. I, you know, sometimes we think about the common curse words that are used with God. But sometimes I think more, he's talking more about <coughs> us using him in a vain way. Um, maybe just use him when we need him. We, we use him like a spare tire. Um, and uh, it, it's, I think it's more than a curse word. That's put, let me just put it that way. I'll leave it that way. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou nor any of, nor thy son nor thy daughter, thy manservant nor thy maidservant, nor thy cattle nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. I think we should honor that whenever possible. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. You know, for the most part, we'll, we'll hear honor thy father and thy mother. And we don't get the rest of it in the, in the wall plaques and the little posters and things we see. But that's a, that's a commandment we promise <coughs> That's a commandment we promise. Um, there's, a, there's a promise that goes along with that. That we, um, that we may have long days uh, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. And he didn't expound on that. I don't think that needs anything said about it. That says it all. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. The same there. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thy neighbor's, uh, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountains uh, smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, that we, and we will hear thee. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. And then it's interesting. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that you sin not. God showed his power. They had seen the rumblings on the mountains and had seen the fire and the smoke come down. And it, it would scare them. And they were afraid that if God spoke to them, they would die. But that he asked, they asked Moses, did you speak to us and we'll hear you? And Moses told them that common phrase that was in the Bible, fear not. Basically, God's not here to harm you. He's here to show you the way he does. And that the fear that you have in him might lead you to follow him. So, um, as we go through life, let's, let's just remember that these ten, these ten commandments, these ten things that God laid down for the children of Israel, um, 
have been the basis, basically, for the rule of order in the whole world ever since. But it was our country was set up with a lot of these same rules in place. And uh, so as we go through life, let's just remember that it's us that's complicated things. God laid it out pretty simply for us. And uh, if we'll just keep those things in mind, you know, when when temptation comes up, one of those will fit it. You know, uh, if I'm thinking about rebelling against the church or something, I shouldn't do that because I've got instructions here. If I'm going to strike out against my neighbor, I shouldn't do that. I've got instructions here. Anything that anything that comes up, uh, God has instructed us on how to do it. It's in this book, and uh, let's just keep that in mind as we go through that. That the complicated things are not of God; it's of us and Satan. Satan is put out there to confuse and to confound us and to uh, uh, to to make confusion reign supreme in our world. And he's doing a good job, but it's up to us just to simplify and go back to the ten, you know, and uh, it'll make life a lot simpler, and it'll make it a lot more uh, enjoyable and pleasing. Does anyone have anything you'd like to say this morning before we take the classes? Brother Roger, I, I can't go without saying this today. Um, number one, I just praise the Lord that I get to be in the family that I get to be in and, and be here. Um, my dad's older sister passed away earlier this week, and and if that was the saddest part of this story, then I could I could live with that. But my uh, I've got a cousin who can, can only be described as my twin cousin. She's a week older than I am, and if you'd see pictures of us as a kid, we were adorable together. She's dark dark hair, brown eyes. We we literally looked like we were twins. And um, one of the things that I, I can't explain is being here. Um, my, my uncle and my aunt were married probably, I'm doing the math on it, had to be 55 plus years. They, they were married as long as I can remember. Um, neither one of them really ever did anything wrong. Uh, let me rephrase it. Never did anything bad. But they they apparently missed somewhere because um, for my aunt's funeral, between my, my cousin Lee Neal and my cousin Craig, who spent time in jail, and Lee Neal's son and daughter, who were both born in wedlock, who both had kids out of wedlock between the whole lot of adults, they couldn't come up with enough money to pay for my aunt's funeral. And the thing that just saddens me, so number one, pray for them because this is yeah. only something that God can can change. True. Right. But we started out with such similar stars. And you know, for for Lee Neal and, and the rest of them, because Lee Neal for them to be in the situation that they're in. And, you know, parents that stayed together, my, my parents got divorced when I was 16 years old. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, when they were married 16 years, I was 13. And my dad's second wife happened to be a grow up in a missionary Baptist church in Kentucky. And I happened to spend time there was where I was saved. And I can't explain how my dad got a job down here. I went to the Air Force, came back here. The craziest part of this story is, is I ended up getting a job at uh, a place called Moore Hanley that I never submitted a resume for, that my, my stepmother sent a resume for. Um, coincidentally, that happened to be where I met this lovely lady right here and, and ended up marrying into this family and being part of the church. It's like I can't explain that. There's nothing about that that makes any sense. I, I feel like it's, I feel like that, that's my Joseph story that, that God used all of those Amen. troubling things in my life for good, and, and yet all the good things that happened in Lee Neal's life turned out bad. And, and I just, I can't explain it, but I, I just have to praise God and say thank you for letting me be part of this and be here. Um, but just, just remember. The Clark family—that's that's my, my uncle. He's still alive. Um, he's not doing well. Um, all of the kids and, and the grandkids are in some kind of trouble, and, and they they need whatever spirit is torturing them needs to be bound. And, and I just pray that it will that they can they can come out of this at, at some point um, sooner sooner rather than later. I hope that God's the only one that can change that.
The road that we walk makes a difference, doesn't it? We all come to we all come to intersections and and wise in the road, and uh, uh, we should pray which which direction, Lord, and He won't hide it from us. He'll show us the right way. He will. Anyone else got anything? <coughs> if not, we will pack our classes at this time. <coughs> If we could ever get everybody here well, what a house full we'd have. Yeah. If you would turn to Acts chapter 6, we'll get back in scriptures now where we need to be. Uh, good to see each one that's here this morning. And uh, I want to thank the church for the Christmas gift. I uh, spent it this week and bought something I never would have bought without it. Uh, some outdoor pull-up work boots. I've always wanted a pair and that's what I went and took and purchased that money and I love them. Don't have to unlace them and lace them every time I want to go in the house. But it's good to see the ones that are back this morning. Uh, I don't see any visitors. Everybody looks like home folks to me. We've been studying this month in preparation for next Sunday's ordination and I got a good question. Somebody give me the definition of ordain in the sense of an ordination. What's the definition of it? It comes, the root word comes from the word order. Order. To authorize uh, for church order. Uh, we, well, let me just read the scripture and I'll, we'll get into that definition a little bit more. Acts chapter 6. And in those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, and I don't think we really grasp how fast it was multiplying. Uh, leaps and bounds would probably be a good description of that. There arose a, a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Now, at this time, the church was made up of all Jewish people. You had the Hebrew Jews that lived in and around Jerusalem, and then you have what was called the uh, Grecians of the Greek, people who had gone out, but who came back every year for the Passover. They were still Jewish, but they spoke Greek. So you kind of had two different groups here. And throughout history, uh, the Jews had officials that were called receiver of alms, or they took donations. And two of these would go out every Friday and to the streets, to the businesses, to homes, and take up an offering. And that afternoon, the offering was passed out to the needy. That's how they took care of the needy. If you were in a, a temporary bind, they would give you enough to get you by. If you were in a more permanent situation, they would give you enough for 14 meals. So two meals a day, that would get you till the next Friday when they'd check on you again. It was kind of their Social Security, I guess you'd say. But that's what traditionally was done. But now here at the church, um, some folks in the Grecian group wasn't getting taken care of properly. 
and hence you had the, the murmuring, the discourse. So in a sense, the church wasn't at peace here. There was a problem. So you could say the church was not in order. So these deacons were ordained to get things back in order by taking care of the situation. So it's kind of where the word came from. All right, verse 2. Then the twelve, uh, we'll say the twelve apostles, will we not? Call the multitude of the disciples. Can we call that the church? Unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. We've, we've covered that already, but just to go over it, that's the job of a deacon, to serve tables. The pastors, the churches, the poor, and, and the Lord's table. So they, well, they were being taken away from their main priority, and that's to study the word, pray, and preach the gospel. That's what their jobs, quote, jobs were. So I'm going to, wherefore, verse 3, Brethren, look ye, talking to the church, the multitude, look out among you, the church, the multitude, seven men, and he gave three qualifications here. Number one, of honest report. Honest report. Uh, you'll find out later it says not only those that are within the church, but those that are without the church. Someone who's going to be ordained, pastor or deacon, must be of honest report. Must be of honest report of those within and without. Second qualification, full of the Holy Ghost. Well, that qualification came in there quick, didn't it? Full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Holy Spirit. And it ought to be evident in their life. Yeah. This is a spiritual position. I realize there's physical things that are done, but the second qualification besides their character is they're having the Holy Spirit in their life, and it's showing. And third, wisdom. So a great definition of wisdom. It's applying God's principles to everyday problems. Oh, what a great definition that is, wisdom. Taking God's Word and applying it to everyday life and everyday problems. Wisdom. There's a lot of really, really intelligent people in this world who do not have a lick of wisdom. And there's some people without much book learning that's got a good bit of wisdom about them. Yeah. The two aren't mutually inclusive, knowledge and wisdom. But someone who can take knowledge and apply it, there's your wisdom. Michael, I used to Fix a spare tire. Yeah, and, you know, yeah exactly. Yeah. So the apostles wanted the church to find seven people of these qualifications whom we, the apostles, may appoint over this business. Ma'am? I have a question. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not from you. I didn't think of it before. It just hit my brain. But did the Grecians and the Hebrews speak different languages? Mm -hmm. So would it not have been beneficial for these seven that were pointed out to speak maybe both or at least one of each? Anyway. It's a thought. It's thought. But they want to get these have these seven. And here it says, whom we, whom the apostles may appoint. I, I think you could put the word ordain there over this business to get things back in order, to get peace in the church. Someone else. <clears throat> but we, 
the apostles, or the pastors, will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And that's their job one, as Ford would say. Yeah, the Word, preaching the Word. There's a lot of pronouns. I'm going to try to help us all with them. And the same pleased the whole multitude, the church. And the church, not the apostles, the multitude, chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, that's a long eye, Timon, and Parmenas, I didn't pay attention to these words, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now, I'm going to try to read this and not use the pronouns, and I'll explain it in verse 6. So the church chose seven, whom they said, the church, okay, who the church set before the apostles. And there's a big colon there that really, that changes the pronoun. And when the apostles had prayed, the apostles laid their hands on them, not the multitude. And I'll back that up if you want to flip a page over to the fourth chapter and the 14th verse. Not two pages like I just did. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, forgive me. It's over in Timothy. I thought I was already over there, but I'll just read it. Timothy, t Paul was writing to Timothy, who was an ordained minister, and said this in 1 Timothy 4.14. He told him to neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So I don't think the multitude had this prayer and laid hands on these men. I think that was the apostles. They were at this time the presbytery, the ones that were ordained. Everybody clear on that? That makes sense. Question? Comment. So the first time we see laying on hands was with Moses. Right before they were, the children of Israel were crossing back into the promised land, Moses knew he was not going to go. And he laid hands on Joshua. Why? As a symbol of transferring authority. Yeah. Leadership. Yeah. What's the purpose of laying on of hands? Yeah. Confidence. Yeah. Giving your approval. Giving your public approval. Blessing. And blessing to this man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it means. Yeah. You're putting your confidence and your reputation on the line with this man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't bestow any great spiritual upwelling or... I know what it did in my case. It made me feel so responsible to those men and to the call yeah, that's what it did to me. Yeah. There, there's layers of that too, though. It's not just you know, the confidence that you got out of that. It's for, for anybody else that is witnessing that. It's it's a visual representation of that. Too. It's it's something that you know that you can see. It's not just a hearsay. It's, yeah, it's not something. You no, know, there's you know, there's actual evidence to go along. Yeah. Well, Michael, you brought it out, and, I, and I'm glad that you have all through this week <clears throat> that the church has the final say-so. And, and um, this was a recommendation by the apostles to the church that they choose them out seven men. And, um, and I'm glad that the church went along with it, but had they, they did have the right mm -hmm. not to. Mm -hmm. They could have said, we don't like this idea. Um, we're not going to do that. And they would have had the, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the say in that. So uh, it, it, I appreciate how that it's been brought out that the church is has the authority to, uh, and, and the church can follow the leadership of the Lord, and the church may not, but they have the say-so in it. And the final say-so in it. Say -so. Yeah, yeah. We'll study that more next Sunday. So the church picked out the seven, brought them before the apostles, and the apostles prayed with them and laid hands on them. 
And it must have been the right thing because of verse 7. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. It must have been the right thing to do. Must have been. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. And we'll leave it at that on there. Any comments, any thoughts on that section before we jump over to 1 Timothy? First Timothy chapter number three is where Paul wrote to Timothy and he listed some qualifications of deacons and pastors, the two spiritual offices that we recognize in our church as being ordained. Now I do realize we have a clerk and treasurer and such as that, and that's needful. But as far as being ordained, there's these two. Uh, a minister can't pastor a church until he's ordained. Yeah. Uh, for those of you that might not know, if a young man uh, says he's been called to preach, uh, we'd give him a little space to see if he really had it or not. And then if we decided, yeah, this guy's got it, we would do what's called, we would license him, which would be putting our blessing on him. Yes, we believe he's been called to preach. And if he ever was called to be a pastor, then it'd be time for an ordination. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Now, I'm not... You could almost say that these almost apply to each other because in verse 8, where we'll pick up in chapter 3, it starts out with the word likewise. Not a whole lot of difference between these two. But we'll, we'll stick with verse 8 and go from there. Likewise must the deacons be grave. And boy, I've seen some grave ones that look like you couldn't pry a smile out of them with a stick, but I don't think that's what he means. <laughs> grave as in dignified, but serious. Serious is what I think he's really trying to tell us here. They're serious about it. The word not always is reverent. Reverent, okay. That'll work. Yeah. Respect for the position. Yeah, the office. Yeah. Not double-tongued. Uh, boy, you could take that a lot of ways, but it's always Tuesday. It's never Tuesday and Wednesday, right? Yeah. Me tell Brother Steve something and tell one of the church members something different. Or even out in the world. Uh, a deacon ought to have control of his tongue. He ought to have mastered his tongue by now about what he says. Not given to much wine. I uh, don't think it'd look good for a deacon to be drunk on Saturday night, do you? No. No, don't think that'd work. Not greedy of filthy lucre, which is described as dishonest gain. I believe a deacon should have already mastered this thing called money. Yeah. Shouldn't have a problem with selling himself out for money or chasing money. Maybe I should put it that way. A deacon ought to have his tongue mastered and he ought to have money mastered. Now, I don't mean rich, poor. That's not what I'm talking about how he handles it, how he looks at it. Yeah. yeah. Does that mean like no debt? Well, if I, if I didn't pay my debts like I'm supposed to, how's that going to make me look? Yeah. How will that make the church look? Yeah. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, I need to, have, I need to keep my finances in order as a deacon. Yeah. Not owe somebody money and not pay them. Yeah, that, that doesn't look good. I'm supposed to be beyond reproach. And that's a mouthful. Yeah. Why? Because whether I like it or not, once I'm ordained, I'm on a pedestal for the world to see. And what I do or say reflects on the church. I'm not on a pedestal being better than anyone. That's not what I mean. But I'm more visible. 
Maybe that's a better way to put it. Yeah. Now, each one of us as members, the church's reputation goes wherever we go, but even more so with an ordained. Let me, let me word it that way. Does that sound right, Pam? Okay, yeah. Anyone on verse 8? I think it goes even further that we're, we're honest in our dealings with other people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't, it wouldn't be good for me to sell you a tractor under the pretense this is a good tractor, there's nothing wrong with it, but I knew it had that engine yeah. or something that's going to, it's not going to last long. That would be wrong with me to do that. <clears throat> so it goes, it goes into our common everyday dealings and, and how we uh, how we deal with people, too. So I bought your truck. <laughs> <laughs> and I sold my nephew who's a dick at my truck. So, yeah, we'll see how that works out. <laughs> yeah, so far so good. Anyone else? All right. Ma'am. Given too much wine that left a place yeah, that is our belief in our church. Now, I really do think at this time they drank wine as a drink. Yeah. Water was so scarce and usually it wasn't very good. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. But no reason at all to now. Verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience in a pure conscience. No big skeletons, no, no faking, no... They understand. Paul called the salvation a mystery in several places, didn't he? But we understand it. It's a total mystery to the world, salvation, about Christ coming and how in the world it could be. But, but, I, but as a deacon... We're to hold that, quote, mystery in a good conscience. We've really, really been saved. We really do understand the gospel. We don't preach it, but we understand it. Yeah. Why? To have the ability to teach it, to share it. Yeah. We don't need any confused deacons. How about I put it that way? Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, obvious enough, ruling their children and their own houses well. Now, it's mentioned somewhere else in a different place. I believe it's in Titus. Paul adds a little to this. He said, if the ordained can't keep his own house in order, how's he going to do it at the church? Yeah. If he can't make his children, if he can't raise his children properly, how can he raise a church properly? How can he take care of a church properly? And let these also first be proved. I, I don't know if you notice, we didn't start out with a moving second to ordain Brother Chris, did we? We started out with a moving a second to set him aside. Why? Well, what's that phrase? I don't know if it's used very much anymore, but what's that phrase that's always used in a marriage? If there be anyone here that knows any reason? Well, that's the proven's proven. I mean, if he hadn't proved to me he was qualified to be ordained and spiritually qualified to be ordained, wouldn't have had the first move. But it's sort of a, okay, church. Speak now, forever hold your peace. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, for a time period. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, and like I say, if, you know, but anyway, it's, it's the beyond, repro beyond reproach part again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I skipped that verse, didn't I? I'm sorry. Wow. Okay, verse 10, and let them also first be proved and let them use the office of a deacon being found blameless. Oh, I didn't want to skip verse 11. Goodness. <laughs> Even so must their wives be grave. Are you grave, Linda? 
<laughs> Some days, I understand that. Not slanderers, not gossipers. Yeah. They don't ordain Marilyn, and they didn't ordain Marilyn, but they came real close. Being my wife. Yeah. Yeah. Ma'am? We came as close as we could. Came as close as you could. Because she could ruin me. Sure. That's the bottom line. Sure. If Marilyn set out to, she could ruin me as a deacon. Yeah. Sister Belinda could ruin you as a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. What well, her actions will affect me. Yeah. Sober. Faithful in all things. Yeah. It doesn't look good to be a deacon and my wife sit at home every Sunday, does it? It just doesn't look good. No. No. Ladies, any comment on that? That's a huge, a huge thing. Because from personal experience um, in my past, knowing a, a good pastor his wife, and I'm telling you, it could, it could make a break. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So it's, I mean, they're held up there. Yeah. Just as, as the dictator and the pastors themselves. So yeah. It's huge. And, and for those of you who've never been to an ordination like we do it, Brother Chris will sit right there and Sister Pam will sit right there up until the point the prayer and the laying on of hands, that's when they separate. But up until that point, she's right there beside him. Yeah. Whoo, whoo, goodness. We're running out of time. Two years ago today, Wayne fell and broke both of her legs. And I'm going to tell you for certain that I'm a much better church member when she's sitting beside me. Yeah. Yes. I'm more, I am more attentive. I'm more, um, I don't know what it is, but she's part of me. She's mm -hmm. half of me. And, and that's just the way it is. Uh, we went for, she went for six months and couldn't put any weight on her leg. Mm -hmm. Six months, that's a long time. And uh, there were a lot of times she couldn't be here. <clears throat> so they're a very important part of us. They're half of us. We became right as one when we were married. And when you see a dick jump up and say, oh yeah, we need to do this, it's because his wife went, ooh, you forgot this. Yeah. <laughs> they get up and go, oh, oh yeah. Their O is from the poking the ribs. Yeah. One more verse. We're past time. I don't think I had ever been to an ordination before Bo was ordained, ordained as a deacon. Mm -hmm. uh, and that particular time, he and Roger were ordained at the same mm -hmm. time. Um, it's a very humbling experience to think um, that, you know, what the men go through, uh, but also that the women have responsibilities there that it's not to be taken by them. Yeah. Someone else. Brother Michael, I, uh, I, I wonder how the other ordained brethren may have felt at some point. Um, I'm honored to be asked to serve in this position, but when I hold myself up to these standards, I don't feel a bit qualified. Um, Neither did any of the women. Yeah. 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 Join the club. Brother Michael, let me make some little math to all this if I can. So at this at this time, there was no government welfare period, as you, as you started talking about at the beginning of this. So, just at Pentecost, there were 3,000 souls added. And, and we, we know that that went up exponentially from there. So these men were being, and the reason that they had to be good with money was, was based on what you're saying about gathering enough mm -hmm. for yeah. two meals a week. Mm -hmm. They were in charge of tens of thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in our, our equivalent mm -hmm. money every week. You know, it's different. The, the the function then and the function now is different. They're they're doing what we handed off to the government. They may see what's not having those credentials to become part of the government and, yeah. and handing out welfare to those people. And it would have been real easy to have went. 
and walk on to the next, nobody would have ever known. Gosh, I wish we didn't see it every day. Yeah. yeah. One more verse. For they that have used the office of a deacon well purchased to themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, I realize that there are a lot of churches who choose deacons by passing around a form and basically the one with the one that has the most votes is, is becomes a deacon. But I really feel it's a lot more serious than that. A lot more serious than that. Yeah. It, it's a it's a Oh, I forgot Corbin. I'm sorry. I forgot about Vanessa. Oh, I am in trouble now. Ooh, I'm in trouble now. I'm sorry, Wayne. Hence the importance of a deacon's wife. Yeah. See? What will we do without them? But yeah, as being one of the only two ordained offices in the church, it's a serious position. And as I told my son Taylor, the best work a deacon does is the work that nobody ever knows. Uh, and he's a great paymaster. Yeah. And no, Chris, none of us ever felt worthy of it. No. I think it's very, very, very important that the church remembers that we pray daily for our families and our lives. Oh, please do. Because, I mean, life's hard, you know, and to keep yourself out of the world and that sort of thing, you know, staying straight and narrow. I can imagine being, like you said, kind of on that pedestal and being held to different sorts you know, different stages. I think we should pray for our leaders, for sure, especially in the church. Anyone else? Michael, I, I can't speak to anyone else's situation, but I can speak to my own. Uh, J.T. Young, um, Elaine's dad was the chairman of the deacon board and he came to me and asked me to be set aside as a deacon. He said, you know, go go home and pray about it and, and uh, see what you think. And uh, I had, I had, I, I didn't feel worthy. And I, I didn't feel like that I could accept that much responsibility from the church. So I had already determined that I would tell JP that I just didn't feel worthy and I didn't but and at that time Linda was working with Lifesaver and we lived in Coleman and she was going down Highway 65 every day and um, one night between that, my decision and church the next Sunday I had a dream that Linda had had a car wreck and it was so real that I had to feel and see if she was in the bed with me. And the, and the minute I touched her, I, I don't know if I heard it audibly or just heard it in my spirit or whatever. That's what will happen if you don't, if you don't do this. Mm -hmm. So that, that meant I need, I, so I, and, and it was so real that I was, you know, I was sweating and, and I really felt to see if she was in the bed. And, and she was. And from that moment on, I knew that I had to do it. And I still don't feel worthy. And I, and I, I still feel very small in this church. Um, but he's blessed our lives. That's how he convinced me that it was the right thing to do, was to let me know that. And so I didn't have a choice. And a pastor's worst nightmare is to, for the Lord to send him to a church with no deacons. That's, that's tough. And I think that's part of the reverence of the office is that you I would be more worried if someone's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I can be a deacon, I'm going to do great. I would feel more worried about that than someone who was sitting there thinking, I can't do this. Because you can't. Well, not without the Lord, you can't do it. So it, it would just, it, yeah, that just 
Anyone else? Anyone else? I'm sorry, we burned late this morning. <laughs> <laughs>